This is Ziggy Heim, and you are listening to Wrestling Cheers. Taking your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And welcome back to Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name, especially when you're doing the favor. This is Wrestling Cheers. We like to talk about things going the Northeast Ohio independent wrestling scene. We preview shows, we review shows, and sometimes we even have interviews along the way. This is an interview with Eric Brown from the Doing the Favor podcast. My name is Justin Summers, your host, and Wrestling Cheers is brought to you by the Trending Topics Network and Midwest Territory. Please rate, review, and subscribe your ever listeners find podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Podbean, WrestlingCheers.Podbean.com. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Facebook.com slash WrestlingCheers, Twitter.com slash WrestlingCheers, and Instagram.com slash WrestlingCheers. Email, if you so choose a desire, WrestlingCheers at gmail.com, and we have the merch store over at WaterManeuver.net. Like I said, this is an interview with Eric Brown from Doing the Favor, a newer friend here on Wrestling Cheers, and we have him on the line right now. Eric, how's it going this evening? It's going real well, man. Thank you, Justin, for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you, and I'm excited to do the show. So we have a lot of like topics that we can get into because I think me and you are a lot alike. Uh, we're both you know wrestling fans who are also figure collectors from the Northeast Ohio area, and we are we have the the unlucky trait of being Cleveland fans. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's <laughs> you know, it's it, it it can be a burden at times. You know, we talked about as we sit here waiting for the Indians to get started. They took a trounce last night. Uh, the Browns are they can run hot and cold, and we did live that fine life with the Cavs there for a little while. But now we're back to being you know bottom of the East lottery team. So yeah, it's it's been a wild ride my uh, forty years on this earth being a Browns fan. But I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm not too far behind you. I'm 34 and. Uh, a lot of my memories, like especially of the Browns, like I was my, within my first year when the 86 Browns happened, because that's what like a lot of people talk about, in, like the early 80s. I have no memory of. But the one thing that I'll forever just cherish is that 2016 NBA championship. Uh, I mm. I have here in my office the the official championship shirt and the hat because I know I don't know about you, but watching all these teams like throughout the years winning the whatever championship of the league. And, you know, there's that, that official hat and shirt that they wear on field and while they're celebrating. And I always wanted that. So when we finally got that, I did all the, uh, maybe kind of pun intended legwork I could to get the championship hat and shirt because they were, everybody was wanting them because we, we finally fucking won one. Yeah. So funny story about that. I was actually in Cleveland that weekend for game seven for my bachelor party. Oh, nice. So I went to an Indians game Saturday and I, my best man is like, what do you want to do, man? And typically it's, you know, bachelor parties, what you think, you know, you're going out, strip clubs, whatever it may be. I said, man, honestly, I want to go to a couple of Indians games and then we'll see. We'll see how this NBA finals plays out. Well, you know, of course, we were down three, one, one game, five, one game, six. And then it turned out it was a Sunday, June 19th, and we were yep. supposed to be heading back. And I said a couple of days before. 
I said, screw it. I got us a hotel. I surprised the boys. I got us a hotel. I said, if you guys are down, whoever wants to stay another night, I'm in Cleveland this night. And a couple of the guys from the pastor party stayed up there with me. Um, we watched the game in our hotel room because the watch party, if you remember, was sold out like immediately. Yeah. So we watched. I mean, I've never been I've, in a hotel room with my boys and been quieter for three hours than we were watching that game. I mean, it was unbelievable. Our TV was trailing was well, maybe 10 seconds behind the watch party, which we could hear. We were at I can't remember which hotel, but it was right by Quicken Loans Arena. So, of course, when we won, we piled out to the streets. We filled, we had a, we all had 20 ounce Pepsi bottles, filled them up with whiskey, hit the streets, and we were partying until 5 a.m. in the streets of Cleveland at one of the absolute best nights of my life. I remember that night, uh, I was renting a room at a f- friend of mine's house for a couple years. And this was like, I think within that first year. And I just was, I sat in my room and I had that game on. And then I had money in the bank on at the same time. And I happened to have like a, my current TV at that time. And then I had like an older TV. So I was able to run, run one off. Um, I think of Google thing that I'm really slipping on. Cause I can't fucking remember it. But anyway, I had it to where I could just watch both things. And I had the cable going through for the NBA game. And for just for that last game, there was just all this history that we've always had of like where we, we, we get close, like especially like the Indians where we get so close and then, you know, we'd fall short of the finish line. And it felt like this could very well be the same thing. We, we got up or came back from being down three to one and now we're tied three, three, and this is winner take all. I just had that fear that this was going to be another Cleveland tragedy of sports tragedy that they were going to see on highlight reels for from here till the we die. And then luckily, mm-hmm. you know, we we pulled it off. There's like for me, like granted, I went to bed a couple hours later and then you know, I had to work the next day. But I'll never forget, like the adrenaline running through my body and how like it was really hard for me to go to sleep because like, oh, my God, I just witnessed a Cleveland team win win something and i think the only thing that's going to ever beat that in my eye is if we actually get that kind of moment for the browns like i'm i think when it comes to anything i'm more of a football fan than anything and if the browns just make the super bowl like they don't even have to necessarily win i mean great i'm going to want them to but making the super bowl cleveland would go nuts yeah i've always said cleveland's definitely more of a browns town um now with me being a little older than you i was actually born in 80 and my the reason i'm a browns fan i was actually I grew up in eastern Ohio, kind of on that uh, Brown-Steelers border. You know, Cleveland's was two hours north. Pittsburgh was an hour and a half east. My dad, diehard Steelers fan. But for me, the Browns had those great teams with Bernie Kosar, Ernest Biner, Kevin Mack, Webster Slaughter, Brian Brennan, Hanford Dixon, Frank Minnett. I can go on and on and on about these teams. And my first football memory that I really recall, as fucked up as this is, is the drive. I was uh, five, about to be six on the couch and I just lost it. Crying, 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 all that stuff. And then the next year, of course, we get back to the FC championship against the very same Broncos. Ernest Biner about to walk in, you know, we're going to the dance and the fumble happens. So these are my first memories of being a sports fan. So that's, I've, I've definitely lived a life with the Browns, you know, as far as, you know, the the drive, the fumble, um, getting Belichick moving, coming back and then living like we have the last 20 years. It's just been, and that's why the, I always say if the Browns win a Super Bowl, I mean, the Cavs, that was great. 
you know, but that was, we had LeBron, we had the best player in the world. We had a, a worldwide icon, one of the, you know, he's in the GOAT conversation. The Indians, we had those great teams in the 90s. Unfortunately, we weren't able to pull it off in 95 or 97. Then 2016, obviously, the 3-1 lead happened. But the Browns have definitely put me through some more suffering than any of my other teams. And I think just, not just Cleveland, but our country is just so football crazy. And with the Browns being a perennial joke, like we have been, we've been the butt of many jokes. And if we win one, that's going to be... That's going to be our moment. That's going to be something we'll always hang on to. And I think I would love to see the fans of Cleveland get that because I think they would cherish it. They would embrace it. I've been in Cleveland. We won a championship, and it was it was absolutely beautiful when the Cavs won. I've never been in a place where everyone was uh, so un- so unified and everybody was getting along, and no, no, no trouble was really happening. It was just it was a great great scene, and I just think the Browns would be times five. I really do. Like. People organized a parade when we went 0 and 16. Imagine just making the Super Bowl. Like we're like like I said, we're gonna go nuts. It's it's Northeast Ohio. Like is I think as a whole is a very football centric area. Which I mean, people got to realize too. Pro Football Hall of Fame and the NFL was founded in Canton here in this area, and it's kind of enriched with with uh, football. But I think with like the legacy if you want to call it that of the cleveland browns especially of the past 20 years where we have been that joke and like if there's been anything wrong with the franchise like it's been like we've had that problem at least one year like whether it be obviously problems with ownership man, anybody in management it's like some of the really bad draft picks and trading away picks we could have had julio jones i will yeah. never forget i had a uh, season tickets for uh the 2011 season and I went to the draft party going into that season when we we were could have well, I should say we could have gotten him, but we end up getting oh his name slips me, but I know he's not in the league anymore. And, we traded down. Yeah, we traded down. I'm, I remember when that happened because it was like, oh my god, Julio Jones is he still up? We, we can get him. This is going to be great. Oh no, we have traded away our pick to the Atlanta Falcons, and like the air just kind of like the atmosphere just deflated a little bit. Was that the year we drafted Alex Mack? I can't remember. Uh, I think uh, the guy that we drafted with, uh, why do I keep wanting to say Phil? Oh, um, oh, the dude from Baylor. I know who you're talking. Phil Taylor. Yeah, I think that. I think that's him. And then I remember. Big I, waste of space. Yeah, I got on the the turnpike to go home. And I like, oh, I think I might have had to be where I, where I got off at the ticket taker scene. I was wearing brown stuff. And they're like, oh, like, who did the Browns get for the first pick? And I told him. And he was just like, oh. <laughs> like even he was just like oh shit we've had a lot of those oh shit moments yeah i mean the fan base like you said so rabid i can't think of another fan base you can maybe say houston where the team moved and we fought to keep the history and then willed the team back that's that's one of the um, most unbelievable things i've ever seen in sports i have a fan base so kudos to the browns fans for that do you ever get like in conversations with probably fans of maybe the colts or the Steelers where they try to tell you that the Ravens are actually the old Browns and this is an expansion team. Cause I go through that all the time and I'm like, no, look at like, look at the actual history. They've said that basically the Ravens were the expansion team and we got to keep everything. Like it was granted, like, cause they always say like, Oh, what about with the Baltimore Colts? And when they went to Indianapolis, I'm like, well, it's yeah. Okay. It's a team relocated, but that's still a different story. I mean, it's, they we got the actual non-material stuff, right? We got we yeah. kept the history, the uniforms, the name, all the good stuff. But with them, 
they took everything else. They took the front office. They took the team, the players, the coaching coaching staff, which a lot of them left. They fired Belichick, hired Ted Marchabroda. I mean, in in spirit, they were an expansion team, but they were not your typical, yeah. like you said, expansion team. Uh, we were your typical expansion team. We were only the Browns, really a name only. You could have any any city in the world that had a new franchise. That's what we were. We had to start completely from scratch. We got to keep our history and, like I said, all the non-material stuff. I've had Steelers fans. I mean, I'm, I grew up in eastern Ohio in between um, Steubenville and New Philadelphia. That's where I grew up. Okay. So a lot of, a lot like the local newspaper we got for, out of New Philadelphia at our house covered the Browns. But the uh, Channel 7 and 9 I got with the Rabbit Ears came out of Steubenville and Wheeling covered the Steelers, obviously. So, you know, it was it was it was a little strange in that sense. You know, I know a lot of people who are uh, for baseball, for instance, Indians and Pirates fans. I myself, I, I enjoy the Pirates. I always have just because I went to a lot of their games as kids. But football, you draw that line in the sand. But I was excited to get get us back. And then, you know, the next 20 years happened. Is it kind of sad that Baker Mayfield is, at least in my opinion, he's the best quarterback we've had since coming back in a way? In a way, no. I'm very happy that, at the very least, he stopped that rotating turnstile to the position. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where we had, you know, we that dreaded jersey, which I'm sure you've seen oh, yeah. with all the names on the back. He's been the last one, and he came to us in 2018. And you know, we we they 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 tried to hold him off as long as they could, but once Tyrod went down, Baker stepped in, played well his rookie year, set records. Set the touchdown record, uh, took us to a seven win season, seven, eight, and one after a <laughs> after no and sixteen season, which was after a one and fifteen season, which we talked about before we got on the air. Uh, he and I, I said this too off the air. We've had so much instability within the organization, especially since he got there. You know, we're talking about four head coaches, four offensive coordinators, and it's it, that's for a young quarterback. Winning in the NFL is hard. It is hard, and it's also hard to develop a quarterback. And when you don't have stability, you're not going to develop him. It, it, you're going to have a tough time. But I do think the Browns got it correct right now with Kevin Stefanski. They have stability. They have um, they have proper leadership. They have guys that have been in the league 14, 15 years that bring a system with them that is quarterback friendly. Uh, they, they're emphasizing, important of, uh, emphasizing importance of developing the quarterback. And right now, Baker's the guy. And – I think that they're doing everything they can, especially with the running game, to make the transition into the new system as smooth as possible. You know, the Browns are a running team. Let's not deny that. But in the NFL, you're only going to go as far as your quarterback takes you. So they're easing him along. Everything's off play action. When I when you have probably two of the top seven backs in the NFL on the same team, that really that's really going to help you out. When you have top five potential at wide receiver one, when you have a guy who you can trust be in the right place at the right time to make plays in Jarvis Landry. And then you have three really good tight ends, and they've done everything they can to fix the line. So Baker doesn't have a lot of excuses to develop. He's still learning, and basically a rookie in year three, as odd as that sounds, but with the instability within the organization, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really difficult for him to kind of find his place in the league. But I think that he's, you know, woke up feeling dangerous, all that shit's being put to the side. He's dedicated, and obviously, you know, with the era we're living in, where we have not had your typical offseason, we didn't have your preseason, with a new, whole new coaching staff, uh, and they're at a place now where they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. That's a lot better than what we were. So 
I have seen growth and that's that's very promising to me. So I like the direction we're headed. But again, we're only at the time of this recording, only going into week four, sitting at two and one. So ask me five, six weeks from now, I could have a completely different answer for you. But right now I'm happy with the way they are trending. I'll say that. Well, even like the, the stat that came out this week, like during the game, because even I was kind of wondering of like when was the last time we were above 500 and it was December 2014. And I think of where my life was at that point. I'm like, wow, that for me, that was a long time ago. But mm-hmm. yeah, like this, I don't know, this is uh, it, it looks promising, but I'm always definitely like in a, a baby steps thing. Like, I'm not going to be like, all right, you know, we're going to make the playoffs. We're going to go to the FC championship game. I'm like, you know what I want to see? I want to see eight and eight. I want to see us go above five or at least make it to 500. Give me that. And then anything after that is just cherry on top and we can work on it. Cause I think one of the things like this franchise has suffered from for a very long time, just when it comes to like the ability that we're playing at minus those two years where we won one game total, like we, we would be like a bad team, but we weren't the worst team. And that's when, when it came to draft time, all the like really, really good players were going quick. And like, we would be left to like, all right, do we take a risk on this guy or do we go with this guy? And it was, just that that Cleveland luck of like whoever we're gonna pick, they're gonna be horseshit. They're gonna there's gonna be something wrong with them. Something's gonna happen. And I thought we had it fixed. Like I mean, I say I thought we had it fixed. I'm talking about the, like the night of and maybe within that first year or so. But I remember exactly where I was when the Browns drafted Johnny Manziel. I was listen. Mm. I was listening to the draft in uh, my truck in Memphis, Tennessee. And when I heard that we had traded up. And we got him. I mean, I was excited. I was ecstatic. But obviously, the way that all panned out, it was like, oh, great. You're just no better than like Brandon Whedon and Colt McCoy and all these other quarterbacks. I mean, he had like he had like a little bit of flash in college, but I thought maybe it, it could translate. I wanted, I kind of wanted a cocky quarterback instead of like guys like Brandon Whedon and Colt McCoy and Brady Quinn, where like they came out as like good college quarterbacks, but not like elite, but they had no attitude. And I wanted, I wanted something, and obviously we got what we got with him. And that that whole era, like, during him, especially the fallout, like, the last year or so after, God, that was, like, the, probably the, one of the worst things that happened to us in in the, the past 20 years. I don't want to say total, because then I'm looking back to, um, you know, obviously, like, the 80s and everything, but it's still, like, that's, like, some of the worst we have ever done, like, draft wise and I, I'm so happy that we were able to draft freaking Landry and like all these other people. That's like oh no we didn't draft Landry. Um but people we did draft. Um Miles Garrett. That's the one I was thinking of. Uh yeah. Like I remember we got him. I was like, ooh, we didn't go flashy. We went defense. Good. So I think the mistake the Browns have always made was trying to fill a position or make the sexy pick like they did with Manzel. When I think that if you look at a team like Baltimore, as much as I pain to say this, you talk about Ozzie Newsom, who learned from Bill Belichick in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. There's a great documentary about the 95 Browns uh, the NFL Network put out a while ago. And the main thing they said throughout that is when you draft, you stick to the board. You take the best. When you're as bad as what the Browns have been, you take the best player available. And that's what they did with Miles Garrett. And that was his. I mean, that's a cornerstone pick. That's a guy with Hall of Fame potential. I mean, of course, people are going to make their jokes about the the helmet and all that shit. But that's a guy who he has defensive player of the year potential. He has Hall of Fame potential. And he's a guy that the offense is going to have to account for every time before they snap the ball. And that's, he's a game changer. 
So the fact that they they brought him along and they factored in character with the pick as well, which is something they didn't do with Manziel. They were so hungry for a quarterback, and Johnny did what he did in college, but unfortunately, all the character issues were just too much for him to overcome in the NFL. And we talk about 2014, that stat, last time they had a, a above 500 record. What I remember about that is we got that. We were uh, – I think we were first in the division after beating Cincinnati on a Thursday night in Cincinnati. And I distinctly remember, I think that put us at like eight and five, I want to say, something like that. And then for some odd reason, they went to Buffalo, didn't play well, put in Manziel late in the game, and he uh, he ran in a touchdown and had a couple good showings, a couple good series. And they just made the change way too quick when that was clearly Brian Hoyer's team. Johnny was not ready. Go back to 2007. Uh, they drafted Brady Quinn. They wanted to bring him along slowly. And then Derek Derek Anderson comes out of nowhere, has a Pro Bowl season. Then they go to 10-6, and six, didn't make the playoffs. But they felt the need to have to make the change. You play the best players. You play the guys who can give you the best chance to win. Uh, but, you know, we have an owner, unfortunately, who over time wants to be – this is not an insult – wants to be Jerry Jones – yeah. Wants to have say so, wants to, you know what I mean? He's worried about ticket sales, merch sales. He's in it to make money as well. And Johnny Manziel had dollar signs in, to him. So that was a couple instances where, you know, you want to make the sexy pick. You want to make the, the, the you want to fill that quarterback position because it's such a quarterback driven league, which eventually, you know, they brought in John Dorsey, who did a great job of bringing in players, uh, fixing the personnel, changing the culture, which in any sports team, culture is going to be one of the biggest things you're going to have to fight, especially when you've been a losing organization as long as the Browns have been. So changing that culture was something that's been huge, and hopefully now adding the stability of a Kevin Stefanski is something that's going to help us out in the long run. So I think this weekend in Dallas, at the time of this recording, is going to be a big litmus test for us on where we are as an organization. Do you remember who was drafted after Miles Garrett? The second was Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, and there was a lot of Browns fans screaming for Trubisky. A lot of Browns fans. I'll never forget that day because I, I wasn't high on Trubisky. I, I kind of compared him a lot to Hoyer, not as play, but as our, going back to like that luck thing. I'm like, we're going to get him, and like he's going to like it's going to be great. We have a hometown boy, but he's – there's going to be some bad play and we're going to really regret this guy. Cause like, it doesn't necessarily matter where you come from. It's just how well you play. And I remember li- listening to that, that call or even they was watching like uh, paying attention to notifications on my phone. It was like the Browns drafted miles Garrett. I'm like, great, great. This is awesome. And then I received the notification. I think it was actually a text from a friend telling me the bears just traded up. And I'm like, no, don't fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Like I just dodged the bullet of getting him on my one team. Don't bring, and then they fucking drafted him. And now, now we're here and he's benched. And I'm like, part of me seen it coming. And that's what I really worried about him. But he did have that really good uh, first, like two years where I was like, well, maybe he's better than I thought he was, but no, he he's uh, almost as bad as Cutler at times that he was almost a clone of Cutler when it comes to just the frustration of watching him play. I, yeah, Trubisky, obviously, you know, you would know better than I do, but a guy who only started well, 11, 12 games in college, you know, was a hometown boy in Cleveland. Luckily, the Browns dodged that bullet, but a guy who, you know, just was afraid to throw the ball down the field, did not have confidence, did not have confidence in his knowledge of the offense to me, did not have the personnel around him to override that. And I think that when they brought in Nick Foles this offseason, 
you know, that, I think they had a bullshit quarterback competition in training camp. And I think everyone knew that Trubisky was going to get a chance to lose the job. And then they started out 2-0 and and got behind in, in Atlanta and said, you know what, this this ain't it. And they made the trip that luckily Matt Nagy was smart enough to make the switch. You got to have balls to do that. He did that. There's a reason they didn't pick up Trubisky's fifth-year option. They, I think they kind of knew what they had. And they bring in Foles, lead the comeback. Foles, obviously familiar with the offense from his days in Philadelphia and Kansas City with Nagy. So I think that's a natural fit. And I think that we saw that come to fruition in Atlanta with him leading the comeback. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy about that because I got Allen Robinson on one of my fantasy teams. And that just flips his value to a whole knowledge. All of a sudden, he's a formidable receiver. I was just happy to see the Browns and Bears pick up victories almost within minutes of yeah. each other. That was that was like it was really cool because like obviously the Browns ended first. So I was really excited for that, and then like the next game I think they went to was the Bears, and I was like, oh okay, cool. Like I'm gonna chill and I'm gonna get to at least watch the end of this and see what we do. And yeah, that oh that felt great. We've talked a lot. The, okay, go ahead. The the play that uh, I I know just talked a little bit more about the Bears. The play that really signify that they made the right move for me was I'm sure I don't know who the receiver was, but they were da- down, I'm going to say 15 yard line and Atlanta ran a cover zero all out blitz. Foles recognized it was trying to kill the play they had called. And for whatever reason, the center snapped it. As soon as he snapped it, he planned his foot and knew, knowing he's going to take a shot. Knowing they got more guys coming than he has protecting was able to hit that receiver in the end zone for the touchdown. That's a veteran quarterback move in the NFL as a tough, tough move. And that right. Trubisky's not making that play. So to me, it's like, Oh yeah, that's that, that's their guy. Now it'll be interesting to see where, where the bears go, but we've talked a lot about football already, like close to a half hour, just football talk, but I wanted to go into like actually a little bit talking about your podcast because I was I was introduced to it a couple couple months back and I started listening. It's obviously really cool to support anybody who's you know from the same area and, and whatnot. But uh, for those who don't know, because there's going to be some people who listen to doing the favor that's going to listen to this, which is great. Thank you for the thank you for the support. But I kind of want to like have people learn a little bit about you and like what doing the favor is. So doing the favor has definitely been an evolving podcast and something that I think I hope will always evolve. So we actually, me and Barry had a podcast. I want to say around 2012 on blog talk. And it was the basic typical raw SmackDown review went a long time. It was associated with a Facebook group actually. And it did really good numbers, but it was just everybody from the Facebook group. And we couldn't grow it outside of that. And it was a call in, which, you know, the blog talk format was, it was a call in show and people would come in and not get off the air. And it was just, I, it got to the point to where like, I was not enjoying watching wrestling anymore because I felt like I had to do it to do the show. And it just, that's not what I want wrestling to be for me. So we stopped, but me and Barry always on good. It wasn't like a bad ending or nothing like that. Like me and Barry, I've known Barry for years and years and we talked. And then what happened was, uh, Starcast and all in came about. So I talked to Barry. I was like, you know what? And I asked him and said, hey, man, you want to get all in StarCast? I'm, I, I was into Conrad's podcast, all that shit. And he was, yeah, man, I'll go with you. And Barry lives in Wisconsin. And, of course, all that stuff was taking place in um, Schaumburg right outside Chicago, which is kind of halfway. That's a little closer. Than, I think it's two hours for him, six hours for me, drive. So we was like, you know what? If I do this, Barry, I want to go all in. I want to get platinum passes to StarCast, good seats all in, all that stuff, which we did. 
And then it was like, you know what a fun thing to be would be to restart the podcast, but talk about our journey going to StarCast and going all in. So we did that. And every week we would talk about what meet and greets we were going to get and the uh, all in tickets, what it was like getting them. And those are all on blog talk somewhere. I have no idea. And we did this and it was a huge buildup. And unfortunately, on a sour note, as I was packing to go, I got the news that my mom passed. So I was unable to go and I felt bad and we had to sell off a lot of our stuff and recoup a lot of our, we took a hit, but we sold off most of our meet and greets. I mean, I had an eat and greet with Eric Bischoff, meet and greets with everyone from the elite, uh, MJF, Terry Funk, NWO, uh, Four Horsemen. Some of them I just gave away because I couldn't fucking sell. I just gave them to friends so I knew we were going. And I was like, you know what? Let's keep the podcast going just because we're going to watch wrestling anyway. So we were doing that, and then we got we fell back into the rut of the typical Raw SmackDown pay-per-view review. And again, very quickly, we both grew bored of it. And that was around the time that I discovered uh, Fully Posable and the Major Brothers, their podcast about figures. And I was like, man, you know, I'm into collecting stuff, and I had a few figures I would buy here and there. But listen to them, I just got, pardon the pun, I just got that itch, you know, to – get back in that game, just kind of get in that culture. Because one thing I love about wrestling, sports, anything, is the subcultures that exist below it. You know what I mean? With NBA, big NBA fan, and the shoe the shoe culture, to where baseball, baseball cards, and starting lineups, and things like that. I've always been intrigued by that kind of stuff. I love collecting. So that's when I fell into collecting hard. And I said, you know what, Barry, this is kind of, and he did too. I said, you know, this is kind of a new passion we have of ours. Let's just kind of you know, towards the end of each show, let's just kind of talk about figures, which eventually spawned into an own figure show, which eventually somehow, some way gained traction and people started to enjoy it. And I think what happened was people were listening to Fully Posable and the Major Brothers and they wanted more of that kind of content. And we I think that we bring something different to that game. You know, they're a little they're a little more straight edge, a little more family friendly. We obviously are not. Uh, we, we, you know, we have our own take on things. Um, the, the hashtag legwork was something that really helped us out a lot. And that was just some dumb shit I said on the show one day because me physically going out to stores and, you know, pre COVID, if you're looking for figures, you know, nothing's better than like a Saturday when you have nothing to do after you get paid and you can hit stores and just look for figures. And that thrill of the hunt is part of the collecting game. So it just kind of evolved from there. And eventually my wife was like, hey, you know what? I think I can build you guys a website. We're like, no shit. Like, we were really kind of surprised by it. Like, oh, really? And that was something that nobody had really done to that point was have their own website associated with their figure podcast. And when she did it, which she did it in like a day, actually, my wife really, really bright. That's what we, we call her the marketing director because she really does kind of direct us as far as the marketing goes. But you know, and that that's that's been a whole thing where we've been able to uh, open up an avenue for people to because there's a lot of people in the wrestling and wrestling figure community that are very creative, that do have their unique takes on wrestling and wrestling figures and everyone fans differently. And I wanted to give people a platform to kind of express that. And we've have some really talented people now that contribute to our website, whether it be Mike Farrell or the Chaos Theory podcast. Uh, we call him superstar writer John Robat at Badger 751. 
um, RJ from the ringside rant, uh, Chris Rucker from boot to the face. Barry's always contributed. I do more just interview stuff because I run the Twitter account and busy with my job and kids, stuff like that. So it's really hard for me to sit down and actually write an article. But I've written a couple, but, and the legwork section where people can basically buy, sell trade. And obviously it has links to our merch, which Rachel has gotten us all new merch, all new t-shirts. We have rustling boot socks. If you guys are interested in those, I mean, it's just, one idea after another and just um, something you can call and you can relate to this something you can call your own and create and that's the thing that we came from a basically a, a podcast that was 40 minutes a day talking about meet and greets at a uh, rustling convention to now a website where a lot of a lot a lot of figures get moved daily it's been it's been quite the ride man yeah you got the one guy john he he wrote an article i remember about aiw Mm-hmm. And like, I I think I'd already heard about doing the favor. I just hadn't sunk into that. I mean, with as many podcasts I listen to and as much as I've been on wrestling Twitter for, you know, for close to a decade, a lot of times there's podcasts I'll hear about, but I might not like sink my teeth into, but obviously hearing about the Ohio connections and all that kind of stuff. And even like that article so it was kind of like really cool that here's this podcast, they have a website and there's this person who I've never met, but we've actually been in the same room and we've watched an AIW show. And I think uh, there is a lot of really cool hand in hand that I'm learning from like, you know, within, you know, the one fig community, especially within the pillars of, you know, legwork and fig life where there's like, there are independent wrestling fans in there, but obviously it's not, it's not everybody. And like every time I see somebody who I know supports both, I'm like, that's really awesome. It's really cool to see more people like me out there. And when it comes to like collecting and, you know, it's, we all like, I think almost everybody gets out of it at some point and then you, you kind of get sucked back in. For me, it was partially, you know, the major wrestling figure podcast, but there's like, there's a bunch of other stuff when it comes to, I grew up listening to ICP and that's, that's when it comes to like music, that's one of the artists that they create things to collect, even mm-hmm. with some of the albums having like different album covers and all this other kind of stuff. There's just so much with them and it's, it, I do love that the, that it's kind of called a sickness. The one thing that's uh, not talked about enough when it comes to wrestling collecting, like everybody, I think everybody talks about wrestling figures and some people talk about the games and all like, there's a lot of other avenues. Nobody talks t-shirts. That's one of the things that like when you guys do like towards the end of the episode where you talk about like, this is like what the hot sellers are for like, you go through, you know, AEWs, you go through WWE shops, sometimes through Amazon. Like to me that that pops me because I'm a shirt guy. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite little stat about myself is I do in fact own over 300 wrestling shirts. I've had That's to, wild. I've had to recently put a lot of them in storage because my closet cannot fit all of them. And that's like just wrestling shirts. And I'm always like, like buying new stuff. And I got some classics. I still have like an original Degeneration X shirt. I have uh somewhere. I do believe I still have the Eddie Guerrero Memorial shirt along with I'm your poppy, but I mean, I got a lot of the good stuff and I got a lot of weird shit, too. Yeah. And that was something that, again, something we wanted to do just to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, talking, you know, shop AEW or WWE shop or Amazon was something that obviously it's an it's another subculture like we talked about before. And it's it's really cool, especially the way shop AEW has it set up where uh, they do their top shirt, top selling items of each week. That's just a natural segment to me. You yeah. know I mean? I can do the top selling AEW search of every week. And to me, it's a, a good indicator of who's over, 
whose fan base is buying merch? I mean, the one thing we've gotten out of that is how over Orange Cassidy really is. You know, having three shirts in the top ten for like uh, seven, eight weeks in a row was that's that's insane for a guy where he came from, you know? So, and then WWE shop, obviously that's, they have a lot of different items. They're really, I mean, they're, they're obviously a Titan of the industry, pun intended. <laughs> and you know, they, they put out cool merch and some of it sucks and we'll do that for anything. If we something sucks, we'll, we'll say it sucks. One thing that popped me big, which I'm sure if you listened to the show last week, I got really in depth. Barry was making fun of me after I'm a big wine guy. I love yeah, wine. I remember this. I love different wines. I, I've, I've worked in restaurants for a lot of years before I do what I do now. And it was when they released those, uh, that, that Cabernet and then that, that, uh, Sangiovese blend, that was something that really popped me. And the fact that I was able to take something that I'm mildly passionate about and kind of marry the two together on the, on the show was, I think I've rambled on for 10 minutes and nobody, there's probably a lot of people had no clue what I was talking about, but (laughs) I had a really fun time. That's something that's really cool. It's just, you know, different wild merch. I I say we're a figure podcast, we're a wrestling podcast, but honestly, we're just like a, we call it figs and merch is what we call the show. But anything that basically we want to talk about associated with wrestling, we're going to talk about. Well, it's like, we go back to what you first started off with podcasting because that's kind of like one of my pet peeves is when people create just raw smackdown review shows or just now it's kind of like wwe and aew review shows like if you're i've always said if you're going to cut your teeth there that's fine because like you need somewhere to practice you need something to talk about if you love wrestling that's kind of a natural thing but kind of what you were saying like you got to evolve out of that at, at some point like i've had my fair share of podcasts that i've been a part of and whatnot that cover that. I mean, I grant I, there are podcasts that I listen to that cover that, but at the same time, there's some of them. I'm like, you could really not talk about WWE and AEW and still have enough content. You're just adding on to it. And you're just kind of an echo. The only benefit that I have from listening to a lot of these different podcasts is I can gauge reactions because I don't, I mentioned it on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, there was a podcast that like one of the hosts said, I don't like Eddie Kingston. And I was like, well, your, your credibility isn't right now questioning to me because everybody I know and like a lot of people I know who are in wrestling will tell you how great he is. Now, if you said that I just don't get him or I'm not connecting with him, then I go like, well, that's just that's fine because like I've had wrestlers that are good that I just don't connect with. But if you're just like, I don't like him and you're kind of like shitting on him, I'm like, eh, like Kenny Kings is pretty damn good, man. Yeah, that's. I'm going to piggyback on that. That's something that's always been a pet peeve of mine is now we will do the occasional review. If we watch a pay-per-view that we both really dig and we want to talk about it, we will. Because we always say we don't put a microphone in front of our face to not say what we want to say. You know, that's not why we do this. And if I watch a pay-per-view that's really dope or I see a match that's really dope, I'll do it. But to say, like, I don't understand the whole black and white approach to being a wrestling fan to where, like, if somebody comes out, I don't like this person. Well, you don't know this person. You don't you you've done nothing to try to get the character. You're going in with blinders on or the fact that, you know, there's always that it's still real to me. Damn it. Fandom (laughs) to where like I don't like the person that's a rival of my favorite wrestler. Like that's not that's not you're not doing it right, man. You're not you're not appreciating what's in front of you. And a lot of people we you said uh, WWE, AEW. To me, that's a bubble that a lot of people trap themselves in and 
only like wrestling the way Vince McMahon taught them to like wrestling. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, obviously you a lot more independent wrestling, especially out of Northeast Ohio, you're going to learn to appreciate a great match. You're going to learn to appreciate the, the hard work that a talent put in into that match to see a character evolve, to see a guy get better, to see Eddie Kingston, who's one of the best promos in the world, mm-hmm. finally get his shot on national TV is an absolute beautiful thing. And if you can't appreciate that, then you're kind of hateful. You know what I mean? You're kind of going into it closed minded, you know? So it's, it's, and I don't want to say like, you know, yeah, it's one thing to suspend your disbelief, but you have to understand like it's, it's the person who wins and loses only one because somebody wrote it that way. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, you know, why don't like Eddie, King, Eddie Kingston, he has a belly like, well, motherfucker, you got a belly. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the logic that you know what I mean. So yeah, when I saw your tweet on that, and I totally understood what you were trying to say. You weren't trying to call people ignorant. You weren't trying to call them stupid or whatever. You were just saying, "Hey, man, don't be so close-minded. This is somebody that has worked their ass off to get to where they're at. Appreciate that, and then give them a chance. You know, if you don't understand their style, or they don't resonate with you, or you don't connect with them, that's one thing. But to flat out say, "I don't like him," I've never understood that either. Yeah, I think for for me, it was a lot of the like the credibility of hearing that. I mean, granted, like w- listening to a lot of uh, podcasts that do will talk about, you know, WWE and AEW, I'll hear different reactions. And that that is kind of cool to see. I'll hear one podcast talk about things that they didn't like about, you know, Raw Underground. But then maybe someone else has a different spin on like tell you something that they liked about. It. I'm like, oh, maybe the other person didn't see it like that. But like, I think worth going with a guy like Eddie Kingston, like I've. I've been watching him most of the time. I've been an independent wrestling fan. I think he showed up within my first year of going to AIW, which started in, in 2011. Oh, I started going in 2011. They've been around longer than that. So like, I'm like, dude, this guy can go and like the promo ability. Like he's probably in my own opinion, promo wise of people who are wrestling. Now I say top three and the uh, MJF is with him. The third person is a Cleveland based wrestler, known as Josh Prohibition, for those who have never heard of him. I'm mean, I'm a good, a lot of the fan base for wrestling chairs will know him, but he was also like, he was the cover boy on one of the backyard wrestling, him and M-Dog Matt Cross. Like that was a, a legendary tag team, Euthanasia. They also did XPW. And like he, like when it comes to promos, Josh Prohibition is great. He just never got signed anywhere. But that's mm-hmm. like, I'm putting like that kind of royalty, especially like when it comes to Eddie Kingston and seeing like him, like literally when he showed up to AEW, they didn't give him music. They just gave him a microphone. He got to walk out and say whatever he wanted. And it was, it was great. And like, you don't get that a lot of other places. You don't get that with a lot of people. And that was something that, you know, Barry, Barry would be great on your show, by the way, because Barry is an old school trader. He loves independent wrestling. He's all over YouTube. He watches everything and always has Barry's tape with tape collection, which he's converted all into a DVD and Blu-ray collection is second to none. It's unbelievable. And he, I thought he was, he probably had a tear in his eye when Eddie Kingston came out. And he, the way he said it to me was the exact way I took it. He came out, he made it personal with Cody. He made it personal with Arn. He got to work his style match, which he demanded because then he cited Tony Khan paid him to do that. And then after the match, the real promo, which to me was him being hurt because that championship was so important to him. So the people who said, I don't like Eddie Kingston, you don't, you're not, 
you're not watching it right. You're not understanding what you're really seeing. You just see a guy who you've never seen before because you only watch wrestling on Monday and Friday nights and sometimes on Wednesdays so you can bitch about it on Twitter. You don't understand that there's a whole world outside of that. And this is a guy who sold his gear when the COVID hit and thought he was retired, all of a sudden given a chance to be on national TV for the first time in his career. I mean, that's a that's a success story. You know, and if, I don't know. I, I Yeah, I'm with you, man. I didn't understand that either. So that's I'm, I'm right there with you. And I think people need to get outside of their bubble sometimes and try new things. You know, there's there's more wrestling that happens than on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. And it's, I don't think it was talked about as much, too. A lot of people don't know Eddie Kingston was going to retire at the end of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, it was somewhere halfway or towards the end of the year, he changed his mind. So basically, he had two moments where he almost quit. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's paid off. He's, he's definitely one of those dudes that I know as soon as he showed up to AEW, I was like, they better fucking sign him. Like, if there's anybody that deserves it, it's him. And now, I mean, now that now that he's signed, I'm really happy. The only other person I'm throwing that kind of support behind, and she probably won't be wrestling, and that's Veda Scott. But I'm a huge Veda Scott fan. And that's a very big Eddie Kingston fan. And also, when I went, to, one of the biggest thrills for me, and I've traveled with Barry a couple times, is I, we actually did make it to All Out and Starcast in 2000 Labor Day 2019, and. Barry introduced me to homicide. Barry knows homicide. And he pulled me aside at the uh, GCW show. I can't remember what the show was actually called, but there was a lot of, you know, a lot of talent there. I met, you know, I took a picture with, I mean, just like walk, literally bumped into all ego, Ethan page, mm-hmm. chatted with him for a moment, chatted with orange Cassie who made his debut on AEW the next day, uh, chopped it up with Joey Janela a little bit. There's, I mean, that's such a, um, intimate scene but barry pulled me aside and said hey i want you to meet somebody and introduce me to homicide i'm like i didn't fucking know you knew homicide and yeah you know and they, i mean him and barry were chopping up probably about a half hour you know what i mean just like hey how you doing man this now i mean just to me that was cool you know so barry had a special special feeling i know he did when eddie kingston came out so that's the thing that i preach to a lot of people about independent wrestling is you, you get those moments like the people that I've met and had conversations with and one or even just like develop some sort of relationship with is insane. Like, granted, this is me preaching to the choir when it comes to, you know, people from Northeast Ohio who listen to this and obviously covering AIW, but like Johnny Gargano, literally he was at my very first independent wrestling show. And there are interactions I have had with Johnny. Like I used to love going to shows. And then when I go up to the gimmick table and talk to him, we would talk Browns. Like yeah. I have a picture of me and him where I'm wearing a Manziel jersey because we were both excited that the Browns had Manziel. Obviously, mm-hmm. we, we've already talked about that road of how bad that was, but we were really happy. And just he's definitely he's one of those dudes that it's really crazy to think of like he knows my name, and it's not like oh he just knows my face because I have, there are interactions online. Uh, there's like especially a Facebook Live video where I was asking questions to DIY actually before they were called DIY and uh, it was a Facebook live video ran, like I said, random questions and Tommaso actually picked my question and it was just like, obviously, cause I love talking football, especially with Johnny. I said, who's going to win the Super Bowl?" And they were actually reading names with it. And Tommaso reads like, who's winning the Super Bowl? Justin Summers. And like Johnny instantly popped. He's like, Oh, that's my guy. Justin Summers. He's a Cleveland guy. And <laughs> that's one of those moments where it's like, wow, I never would have thought that would happen. But, now, like I've had 
a handful of reaction of interactions like that. And you can't necessarily get that anywhere. And there's people that like when they talk about wrestling and I'm like, it's definitely kind of like, I don't mean mean to look down on people, but I'm like, if you love wrestling so much, why aren't you looking elsewhere? Like that's what I eventually end up doing. Cause I looked at it like, okay, I like watching football, but I don't, I'm not huge into college sports. And I kind of looked at it as similar to that, or even like go to a random high school football game you could potentially see an NFL star before they're anything. You just, mm-hmm. you got to be really lucky. So I was like, why don't we do the same thing with like pro wrestling? Cause everybody loves watching people on the rise. And that's where I end up getting, especially with the rise of CM Punk when, uh, you know, he was making it big in WWE and like everything summer of punk. I was like, wow, I'm hearing about all this ring of honor stuff. I'd heard of ring of honor. I just never watched them. And then I was like, well, maybe I should go figure out who the next star is. And literally the first, the two stars that were on my first show and not stars as in that night, it was Johnny Organo, number one and number two, Brody Lee and Brody Lee was signed within six months after that to WWE. And obviously we've seen where his career has gone since then, which is great. I, lo- I love that we get Brody Lee now. So does it bother you when AEW when he signed with AEW and all the WWE stands were like, oh, look at WWE, look at AEW signed WWE guys. Does that bother you? Cause you know where he came from. It's, it gets really repetitive. Like I don't, I definitely, I don't necessarily pick a side cause there was a good time that I didn't watch WWE or AEW and wasn't like, I'm against them. I was like, I'm getting tired of the grind of sitting there and watching all this wrestling because now there's wrestling on every night. And I just, right. I want time to watch other things because I was getting behind on like other TV shows and all this other stuff. I was like, I'm just, I'll take a break. I'll follow everything online and just go with that. But when, when I do hear those complaints and everything, I'm like, well, you're going to have stars go back and forth. I mean, it's, it's no different if, you know, Brody Lee didn't get, didn't sign to AEW. He just, he went to the independency and it's all these other companies picking up stars. My only big thing when it comes to AEW is making stars. Cause I know a lot of people who will, will be really high on them. And I'm like, well, like I want to see them make more stars. I'm like granted, mm-hmm. I think I say they have three stars that they've helped make. One, I'm so, so on because they had a little bit of introduction through WWE prior, but the, the main two are MJF and Orange Cassidy, like hands down, they were made or they were, they were helped put into the next atmosphere with AEW. Granted, both of them had followings on the indies, MJF a story I've told here on the podcast and it happened here on the podcast. My first interaction with him is I was interviewing Ethan page and MJF just crashed it, picked up a microphone and just started <laughs> talking. That that's how I met MJF, and like I had no interactions. I kind of heard of him, but I didn't exactly know who he was. But both of those two were on the rise. The third person that I'm like, yeah, like yes and no is Britt Baker. Like the problem with Britt Baker is, which I love her. She's I got to watch her here locally, but it's she her face was shown a lot on NXT. That I don't know if that helped her or not. But like her, obviously, current everything with her now is fantastic. Everything with that role model is is great yeah the, the heel turn for me is what really did it for for me with her like I, I don't understand how you can have a baby face dentist no one likes going to the dentist no one likes the dentist he, he the person hurts you it's uncomfortable so you know I, to me i thought that they were leaning on that but i would agree with you that's something they need to do more of is make stars i would throw a hikaru Shida in that on the rise um thunder rosa coming in has been unbelievable for her people have gotten to see what she can do but for the most part, it's been the names that are already established on Mondays and Fridays and the elite guys yeah. that already had names coming in, which to me is still dope because I saw 
I was watching being the elite when, you know, these guys were just making towns, you know, and they were all of a sudden on the rise. And a funny story is I watched all in here at home with my wife, the marketing director, someone who Rachel, I'll say is my wife is a very forward thinker. She thinks bigger. She thinks outside the box. And that's why we wouldn't have the growth that we've had with our podcasts without her. But you know, when all in happened, I looked at it after the show. I was like, ah, it just kind of sucks. These guys are just going to sign with WWE now. She goes, why? I'm like, well, there's there's nowhere else really for them to go. You know what I mean? Obviously, they've kind of they've shown they've outgrown what they've been doing. They, you know, they you're here just go to Japan, keep doing what they've been doing. She goes, well, they can probably just start their own shit, right? I'm like, it's not that easy, Rachel. I just kind of <laughs> laughed it off, and here we are. It's, I, you know, I have obviously a. AEW logo shirt my buddy got me and every time I wear it she just kind of laughs like oh pretty hard to start huh she still throws <laughs> that in my face so yeah it's it's kind of a joke around my house but going back a little bit to what we were talking about before you mentioned Ethan Page uh, I met Ethan Page at that GCW show mm-hmm. and my big takeaway after having probably a, a 10 minute conversation when that dude did not have to talk to me I didn't have a microphone I wasn't promoting anything I was drunk I had a bucket of Coronas with me and he just sat there and chopped it up with me. Just normal ass conversation. And my big takeaway was, man, I really hope that dude makes it. That's a really good dude. And now we see him making a name for himself with his vlog, his self-promoting the stuff they're doing on impact. The North is a fantastic tag team. And that's something that I think when you talk about Johnny Gargano, how you met him and now you're happy for all the success he's having on a personal level because you have those personal interactions with him. That's something that when you talk about that, it reminded me of like in, in Orange Cassidy at the same time, you know, like, man, this is just good dudes. And I'm happy that good things are happening to good people. Yeah. Ethan Page is another good dude and someone that's I've watched him since I, I want to say it was one of his first. Uh, bookings in the United States. It was, it was definitely his first AIW booking and watching everything he's done. The thing that I love about him, he, if I were to create like a top five, like nicest wrestlers, he would be in consideration for it. I don't know exactly who would be in that five because there's, it's actually really tough because there are some genuinely really good dudes. And Ethan page is a dude that always at the gimmick table would take time out for his fans and he'd have conversations. Mm-hmm. Like I've had so many, Kind of like how I would talk with Johnny Gargano about football. Me and Ethan Page would talk movies because we like we were definitely both into movies as a whole, but we love like the comic book genre. So we were always talking about MCU stuff. And I remember when Ethan Page thought I ruined or I completely spoiled Infinity War for him because I told him oh, this is what I figured. Like I had no actual spoilers. I was like, you have to sacrifice somebody for the Soul Stone, and if Thanos is going to get it through all of his lines that he had in the MCU up until that point, which I'm a huge Thanos fan. And I could at, at one point I could tell you all his lines, which wasn't much, but he had the line of my favorite daughter, Gamora. So it shows that he has love for her. I'm like, he has to sacrifice her. She's going to die. And he told me when it happened, he was so pissed because he thought, I really, <laughs> I mean, for a while he was like adamant. He's like, you, like you spoiled. I'm like, no, I was telling you a fucking theory. Like what I was going with in my head of this is how I think infinity war is going to go. But no, uh, end of the day, fantastic dude. And if, if he ends up leaving impact eventually and going somewhere else, I mean, he deserves everything. Um, that he gets, it's, it's very similar to Johnny Gargano. And I've, you know, I've watched those two have matches against each other. And it, it's so cool to see people like that make it. I mean, I've seen 
a lot of wrestlers like go to WWE or even now with AEW. Like I knew Marco stunt or I found out about Marco stunt before he even went to GCW when that was a big boost for him. And then when he eventually showed up at all in, like that was a bigger boost from that. We get to where he is now, but watching him go from like a complete nobody on a show in Nashville, making his debut. And the first words out of his mouth when he walked out of the curtain is hi, I'm short. And he won me over instantly. So then now seeing him where he is, he's at now, it's like, man, this dude went from completely nothing to this. This is really awesome. And I've seen it so many times again, for those who don't watch independent wrestling, like this, like these stories kind of pay off and it's really awesome. Especially too, like on my wall of figures, like I, I bought the, I have three of the four Johnny Gargano figures and it's really cool that like, I knew that guy went back when, and like, you can't get that necessarily with everybody. Right. Yeah. It's, it's great. I'm mean, to see guys that you know that have made it and you, you think deserve it. And you've had this personal connection with is, I mean, it's gotta be dope to like go out and buy a Johnny Gargano figure for you. And I really hope that Ethan page eventually is going to have to make the financially responsible decision and sign with one of the bigger companies. And that's something that when he does, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of smile and wink and nod out the world to him. Like, yeah, man, you deserve it. All right. We've already gone for one hour right now let's uh start to wrap this show up and let's get into the fave five questions hey this is booker t five time champ and this is the fave five questions now can you dig it all right question number one let's go with stepbrothers or talladega knights talladega knights to me i piss excellence <laughs> has me had had me keeled over in the movie theater that is uh you're mixing sports competition um, a parody of it. It's the, the whole NASCAR scene. I thought captured it great. I love Will Ferrell. I was actually, it was funny. It was back in the day. I was living in New Philadelphia, Ohio, and I was working at an Applebee's when that movie came out. So that movie hit me on a lot of different <laughs> levels. That was, it was hilarious. I, I, yeah, but yeah, I piss excellence is um, there's from those guys being, you know, just like marketing horse. It was just unbelievable. Uh, that was great. That's a great movie. Because you mentioned Applebee's, I remember the uh, the commercial in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. I, like of all the things I talk about that I love about that movie, I always kind of forget about that one. But it, it's definitely one of the smaller things. I, to me, I take Talladega Nights over Step Brothers. I mean, I like Step Brothers. I think Step Brothers is great, but there is that you know the NASCAR element to it. And there's all the all the quotes and the fact of like that's the movie that came first. So that's kind of. If it wasn't for that, we might not have had Step Brothers. I don't know. There's just so so much like uh, uh, Shake and Bake and all that kind of stuff. I love that movie. Right. All right. Question number two. It's kind of a staple. I really do love this one. Wings, bone in or out? Bone in. Um, boneless wings are just chicken nuggets. Yep. <laughs> bone in wings. I, I, I actually, I'm going to go off a little bit here. I've This summer, I took up a new hobby, which is grilling. So I've been grilling wings. I've been smoking wings. I've experimented with different seasonings. I've experimented with different sauces. I'm actually getting the whole wing and cracking it. So I have the flat and the drum. So I'm trying to do it right. So yeah, it's a, and I, I I love wings from many different places, but nothing beats what I can make here at home. And when you put your own uh, sweat into it, get the sweat equity and different, I'm, I'm talking different charcoals, different wood chips. I bought a new grill I'm not a, I'm not a handy guy, but I put it together myself. And that's, you know, to me, the whole experience and the whole culture of grilling is something that 
I've, I've gotten into a little bit, but yeah, it, it's, it's bone in or you're just eating the chicken nugget. Do you have a favorite wing sauce to go with it? So right now I, um, for the most part, I try to eat as clean as possible. I do have a little bit of a fast food problem sometimes, but I live by a whole foods. So I get their sauces. They're very good. And I have this mixture of, um, I do the hot and the medium with a splash of some sriracha in there as well, just for some kick. I, I, I love different hot sauces though. I love the show hot ones. I've, Rachel actually bought me all 10 of the sauces at, at the time they were recording that show at those sauces. And I've, I've, I tried them all. So, but yeah, nothing too, too hot. I like some kick. I would say medium plus, which is why I add the hot. Okay. I think for me, I've said before, I'm a, I'm a barbecue guy. And that's the crazy thing about barbecue is too, is there's a lot of levels to it. For mm-hmm. me, my favorite yeah. is uh, Quaker Steaks barbecue. But like if I'm buying that for myself, like I, I keep a bottle of it. But obviously, if I need a lot of something, like if, if I were making wings or whatever, I wouldn't necessarily use it because of how expensive it can get. Like I'd reduce like a regular, you know, Sweet Baby Ray's or something. But good, good barbecue can go a long way. And Sweet Baby Ray's actually very affordable. They have a nice uh, they have an onion style barbecue sauce. I can't remember the exact name of it. But it's very good. And yeah, I've done some barbecue on some wings as well. I will say, obviously, to piggyback on what I was talking about earlier, ranch, not blue cheese. Yes. For for Quaker steak, if I I'll purposely not say what I want. I have them ask me whether I want carrots and celery or celery or ranch or blue cheese. Because a lot of times if I don't say anything, they bring me celery and ranch. And I'm like, I don't want fucking celery. Fuck that shit. And you will you will get a less tip but if you actually ask me and you bring it because i think i've had someone ask me and bring me the wrong shit but if you ask it and bring it you're going to get a better tip because of just that simple little detail and i love it (laughs) uh question number three um how do you feel about ketchup on hot dogs um acceptable if you don't have mustard oh you're a mustard guy yeah i'm a stadium mustard guy actually uh i i like yellow mustard I will do ketchup in a pinch just for flavor, but I would prefer not to. And I actually, my method is to put the mustard in my case, but if I have to ketchup on the bun before I put the hot dog in there. Yes. I am. I do either. I do where I'll put ketchup and mustard on first and then put the hot dog in. Or if I do put the hot dog in first, I will put ketchup on one side, mustard on the other. Then I'll take the hot dog and flip it. I like that. My dad to- try that. I like that a lot. My dad told me that when I was younger and I'm like, why doesn't anybody else do this? This makes so much sense. Like get, get that's the flavor. A, that's get a life the- hack. Yeah. Get, get the flavor all around that thing. It's awesome. Absolutely. Question number four, favorite video game console of all time. Hmm. Man, uh, not a huge gamer, but I dabble. I would probably say super Nintendo. It, it legitimately I, is the I, best. I, 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 I love Super Nintendo. My days, that was, uh, I love the Mario games, one. And also, I was getting the NBA Jam Tournament, which I know you can get at the Sega Genesis as well at the same time. But to me, uh, Super Nintendo was just such a clean system. Um, what was I playing back? I was playing Madden, of course, uh, NBA Jam, then NBA Jam Tournament Edition, Street Fighter Two, another unbelievable game. Uh, but the Mario franchise, to me, um, puts it over. Super Mario World is one of the better Mario games you're ever going to play. It's like, for me, it's neck and neck with super Mario brothers three. Like 
those are kind yeah. of the staples and to go from one to the other is just awesome because of of the side scrollers before we got to like the new super mario brothers series that came out within the past 10 or 12 years like those like those are the really really good too and i think i kind of lean towards super mario world because it was just that little addition of yoshi that went a long way and also i love the the little haunted houses like because that became mm-hmm. its own little puzzle because they, they it wasn't necessarily just you know get from the beginning to the end it was like almost in itself a maze and I, those were so much fun and my wife actually we have a it was funny so one day i i have a ps4 i usually only play madden i'll mess with some nba 2k from time to time but for the most part it's just madden but she sent me out one day and she wanted me to get her a nintendo because she wanted to play Mario. So I'm thinking she wants one of the, 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 the retro consoles that you've seen that have the preloaded games on them. No, this woman wanted a Switch. So me leaving the house turned into me buying a Switch and Super Mario Galaxy for her, which she's ended up playing Mario Galaxy 2 since then. And that's, that's the only game she plays. I bought this this machine for her expensive that she only plays Mario games on, which is kind of funny. That's my wife, though. I mean, she asked for a Nintendo system. You could have brought home a Virtual Boy. No, she knew what she wanted. <laughs> she had done a lot. She had done a little like she knew what she wanted. She knew what game she wanted to play. Yeah, she was on it. She wanted the new Mario game and whatever the new system is. She was, I think it's called a Switch. I'm like, woman, you know it's called a Switch. Don't act like you didn't do research. <laughs> yeah, my fiance wants one really bad, and I'm like, you hardly play like games that you've bought for the Xbox. So why would you? Why would you want to get a the Switch? Like, granted, I could, I'd probably get a kick out of it. And I'm a little bit like you too. Mainly the main game I play on my Xbox One is Madden, and I think this is the first time in a very long time I've bought multiple Maddens in a row. Like I, I was for the longest time I was buy a Madden every year guy, and then I got to a point mm-hmm. where I'm like, eh, like it was actually after the the Peyton Hillis year, I just I couldn't afford it or whatever, so I went like many years without buying one, and then I bought like I said the past three, and there's just something about always being able to throw it in, you know, playing a game and even whether I'm playing a franchise or not, like it's relaxing. It is. I have the franchise going right now. There was years where I got into the ultimate team, but I feel like I was just spending money at that point. I was just pouring money into this ultimate team that I was really not doing much with. So, but that's one game that now I can, you can just go buy it or download it very easily. But for the, I've probably bought that game every year since, since Marshall Falk was on the cover way back. Yeah. So I had, I remember, you know, I think Madden, Madden 96 was the first to have player names, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I had the original Madden football, Madden, then Madden, it took a couple years off, Madden 94, took a year off, Madden 96. And I think I've gotten it every year since, yeah, since 2000, 2001, whatever that was. So I remember I bought Madden 20, which if you bought the special edition, had yeah. the had the added bonus of I think it was like Madden ninety five. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I think I, I bought that like secondhand, so I didn't pay like full hundred dollar price, but it like still being able to play two games at one. The and I really loved two yeah, Madden twenty because uh, the online was so much fun because you could create like a custom league, yeah, and not have to do like regular schedules. Just everybody in the league had to play each other. And me, and my friends, we created one. We thought, oh, like we'll play each we'll. We, we thought it was going to be how long we were going to make our season, but it was how many times we had to play each other. And I think we picked like five and there was about like six of us. So then we had to play each other and like five times. We're like, oh my God, this sucks. 
and we've been on some shitty Browns teams. Obviously, we've had shitty Browns teams in our life. So there were many years with the franchise where I was adding some of my favorite players or stacking up my team or adding some of my favorite Ohio State guys to my Browns team. Joey Galloway ended up on many of my Browns teams. So, yeah, it's just I, – I, I always say I don't really scratch the surface of what that game can actually do. And anymore, you're just buying new updated rosters because the gameplay hasn't really changed that much. But it's just my own little spoil to myself every year that I get. So I enjoy it. And this year, I actually – I go back home. I used to get it in New Philly all the time when I lived back there. And I still – I'll go – if I go home to see – I try to arrange it. And I did this year. It actually worked out where I go home to visit and then go to New Philly to buy the game. So, and I always end up going back there the weekend the game comes out. So, <laughs> just my own little kind of little sentimental treat to myself. Yeah, some of those Browns, ugh, I kind of forgot. I, about, I kind of forgot about how bad they were. I mean, that's half the reason why. I would say half the reason, but it's like it was a bad benefactor or a benefit that I'm a Bears fan. So, some of those years that the Browns are really bad, I'm like, well, I could play the Bears. Bears are you know doing better than the fucking Browns, right? All right, question number five, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yeah, it's a tradition. To me, Christmas is about traditions. Die Hard is a Christmas tradition. So, yeah, it is. I've had this conversation. Now, I'm, not huge into the die, I'm not huge into the Die Hard series, but mm. I've heard this argument, and to me, yeah, it's uh, it, it goes hand in hand. This is the version that I have here on the uh, conversation I have here on the show, is I think when a lot of people say Christmas movie – what they really mean is holiday movie is die hard a Christmas movie by a lot of definitions. Yes. But is die hard a holiday movie? No. And that's the big mix up. I'm the kind of person that when I say Christmas movie, I do mean holiday movie. So to me, die hard isn't a Christmas movie, but I've kind of learned how to go. Okay, fine. It's a Christmas movie, but look at it from this point of view, because I don't consider it in the same vein as like my favorite Christmas movie jingle all the way. Or Home Alone. Okay. But I do think, right. I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to, you know, you want to watch it for Christmas or New Year or uh, Christmas Eve or December, when, like, whatever, fine, go ahead, have fun. It's not going to be played at my house. We're going to play other movies, and that's fine because I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to berate you for maybe you don't want to watch Jingle All the Way. For me, that's a Christmas Eve tradition, and I love watching it. Right. And I have Good a, tur- and I have a Turbo Man doll. So it's even better. <laughs> All right. Question number six that I tailor around my guest for you. I want to know what is your current Holy Grail? Oh, to me, that's pretty easy. Uh, it is the ringside collectible legends Macho King. Ooh, oh, yeah, that's a good one. That That's a beautiful figure. It's I believe it's out of my tax bracket right now. It has shot up, shot up, shot up. Obviously, COVID prices, it's creeping around 500 which is absolutely wild. Um, to me, Macho Man is my favorite wrestler character. I think Randy Savage is the epitome of what a prototype. When you think professional wrestler, especially back in the day, he checks all the boxes as what you think that would be as far as the look, the character, the way he carries himself, the way he basically became the character, the promo. Uh, it's to me unbelievable and the macho king is such a um, unique time in his career and such a memorable time and that figure is so beautiful that to me it is it's great i actually just picked up the and now i think grail figures people associate a price with it to me another little small grail that i had 
and I actually just got for a very affordable price was the Elite 23 Macho Man from in the WrestleMania 8 attire, which was after the match with his hair all messed up, which yeah. Randy had hair like a bird's nest. We all know that. <laughs> yeah. And the black and gold gear with the Winged Eagle Championship. I was 12 years old coming off the 92 Royal Rumble. Uh, I had a legal satellite. I said this on the show. I almost use the same same quote. Had a legal satellite. I was watching all the pay-per-views. Shout out Big Dennis, my dad, for <laughs> hooking us <laughs> up with a legal satellite. But I, So I was watching all the shows, all the pay-per-views for free. And I loved Macho Man's when he came off his retirement. So, so to me, that was when I just acquired with the big grail is that ringside exclusive Legends Macho King. I'm kind of trying to figure out what my grail would be right now. It's fluctuated because I know for the longest time, like outside of wrestling figures, like I am, I'm a minor pop collector as in, I will only collect okay. it on things that I like, but I can be uh, very picky. Like I like the office, but I don't own any of the office ones mainly because I kind of knew that was going to be a slippery slope as soon as they started coming out. And yeah. I'm right because they still keep coming out with them and it would be very expensive. My two collections that are big are Thanos and Ghostbusters. The one nice pop that eluded me and it was, it's actually the most expensive Ghostbusters pop figure is a slimed Egon in the Ecto one. Now there's the regular, nice. uh, there's the regular Egon, which for a while was going for a decent price. I think around 70. And then there was the regular Ecto one with Winston that was cheaper, but the Egon one was a toy Tokyo, New York comic con exclusive. And I, never seen one in person. I got very lucky and a website that, uh, at one point I had put in like, Hey, let me know when this comes back in stock. And like two years later, they finally emailed me back. Hey, we got it back in stock again. You want it? And I'm like, Oh, and at this point it had shot up to like $300 value, but they still had wow. the two, I mean the $175 price tag on it. And I was like, Oh, I got to take this because no. a, a, I've never seen it this cheap, and B, here it is. I gotta take it. Now, did you get the Hasbro Ghostbuster figures? The uh, the 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 re-releases they just had. That's the thing about yes. Ghostbusters. Like, I love Ghostbusters, but there have been so many releases lately. I'm I kind of I started with the pop figures because that's actually was my first pop figure was a Slimer. I wanted it to be Stay Puff because that's my favorite character he ended up being my second because I really waited like four months before I actually found him in, in person, but I have not picked up the Hasbro's I do have, which I'm very, I, I love this. I have the complete, um, WWE ghostbuster set. And that was going to be my next question. Yeah. But, but on top of that, I have the Walmart display with it. Oh, nice. That came with the, uh, has the rock on the side of it has rock on one side, undertaker on the other. And then there's, four shelves on it and like three of them have WWE logos and then counting the top. There's two ghostbuster logos. Yeah. I walked into, That's awesome. I walked into my Walmart. They had one Shawn Michaels in it and that was it. I took it, put it with the rest of the figures. I took the, the, the case, put it in the cart. And I mean, granted when they <laughs> walked out, they were like, Oh, are you allowed to take this? I was like, yeah, I was told I was, I wasn't. But at the end of the day, I've been told like they were just going to throw it away. So as long as I'm not stealing anything with it, everything was fine. So yeah, I walked out with it 
and like it's now uh, it's on my wall i have all the ghostbusters in it the the undertaker's on the top shelf uh not the top the top of it but the actual the top shelf within it and then on the top that's where i have a uh ghost trap and then I actually have some macho man i have the macho man pop like the first one they did with the uh, orange tights and orange bandana a friend of mine gave me that uh kind of go back to what you had mentioned earlier my mom passed early last year and i got a care package from a friend of mine and that was in it so like that's kind of like special to me i also have the the he-man macho man but without the uh, shirt so he just looks like a really cool <laughs> macho man figure and then i have uh ultimate warrior hasbro series one a friend of mine passed away a couple months back he was actually he was mentioned on the major wrestling figure podcast named uh, tom troll he was in the, that patreon group and uh that was his favorite figure he loved it so much he had like he had to have at least 20 of them oh, I, could, wow. I could find the picture where he just has them had them all on a table and like he loved showing that picture of anybody asked like what's your favorite hasbro what's your favorite wrestling figure boom he'd show that one so that's kind of like my little memorial thing but yeah there's and then I got some other random Ghostbuster stuff in it, too. That's cool. I like that. But other than that, I can't think if I would probably put a like something that's a wrestling figure. That's a grail for me. It's a collection that I haven't officially started, mainly because I know this is going to be the would be the last one I'd have to get. And it's very expensive. It's the Shawn Michaels. I think it's entrance greats from WrestleMania 12. And I think he comes. Okay. With, yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's not the one he comes with all the belts, but he comes with the uh, the entrance attire. WrestleMania 12 was on my 10th birthday. Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart are my okay. two favorite wrestlers of all time. So that whole match means a lot to me. And I want to start collecting every figure that depicts Shawn Michaels from that show. I have two of them. I have Shawn from the, the battle pack. And then I have uh, the one WrestleMania one that they came out with a couple years ago. But I know I'm missing I'm like, oh, and I have one of the Jax figures. And I know I'm missing like at least half. Yeah. Barry actually gifted me the Shawn Michaels defining moments where he came out against uh, Undertaker. Whatever it was at 24 or 25, whatever it was. Yeah. And he got that for a very good deal. I mean, less than half of what's worth now. And it's one of my favorite in my collection. Barry's grail. I'll speak for the other half of my podcast is the uh, flashback Harley. The, yeah, that's of a course, one. a little newer figure. But, you know, that figure, obviously, that we talk about, everyone's talking about how hard that figure was to find. We think there's a stack of them somewhere. Somewhere there's a bunch of Harleys sitting We that's always been discussed. But I, I've always thought they were going to show up at, like, Big Lots or something. You know what I mean? But I got every other figure out of that series. I even got the Steamboat signed. But the, uh, the Harley is the one that eluded both of us. He always says that GBM is uh, holding his Harley for him. So... <laughs> But that's Barry's. He's a big, big Harley Race fan. He was here about a within a year before he passed. Mm. Maybe even less than that. And that was actually the show. The show was in Akron. You know, obviously, when uh, AIW comes to Akron, they like to bring big stars because that that helps bring people out or people down from Cleveland if they they don't normally want to travel. That's where I've seen you know Steamboat. We have had Scott Hall, Harley Race, and then there was another show where there was just a bunch of you know signings like there was uh, my favorite of that of that tire that day was tugboat or typhoon or, or fred ottman whatever you want to call him shockmaster 
he was cool as shit. I was like, I want to get the picture. Like we're, we're the new natural disasters. <laughs> have you ever met, um, Brian breaker? I have not of the breaker and Bane power hour. They have a podcast. Brian breaker actually was trained by Harley race. And he actually was, a uh, Brian breaker was obviously a worker and was signed with WWE and worked in NXT for a while. Actually had a match on TV with Damian Sandow, but he does a, does a podcast. Now we've had him on our show. He's a very good friend of ours. I will have to link you up with him at some point. He's a really good guy. I mean, he's one of those dudes I know of the show, but obviously if you've seen my like tweets where I talk about like shows that I've listened to every day, like I have a, the list is long Mm -hmm. and there's a majority of them that I have some sort of connection to. So like adding people is extremely difficult. I like, I would have to like literally cut friends off and that's one thing. So yeah, one thing that sucks. His show, I'll promote it a little bit because of his connections. He has an interview segment every week and his interviews. I actually, I was lucky enough to be one of them, but he's had like, Aiden English, Eric Rowan, dudes that he worked with in NXT, dudes that he he's worked the independent circuit in like Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, you know, training with under Harley Race. And I think you and him, you guys would be a natural fit. So I think you should maybe give him a shot sometime and I can definitely uh, link you guys up. He would be probably a great guest for your show, man, because the theme you have with the independent wrestling and things like that, he him being an independent wrestler himself is somebody that he would add a lot to what you do. So just a little sidebar. I'll keep that. I'll keep that in mind. That kind of like adds a little bit of appeal that I didn't, I didn't have, you know, five minutes ago on him. I wonder, I wonder how much he knows of people that I know from Kansas city. Cause I know a, some friends of mine do a podcast there and they have some connections to that scene. So they're probably co- everybody, man. They're probably yeah. everybody. I'm telling you, he's very well connected. All right. We've almost gone an hour and a half. But it's been fun. Any uh, final thoughts or last minute plugs before we go? Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Eric Brown seven four zero. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Doing the Favor. Obviously, go to our website doingthefavor.com. Membership is free, free ninety nine. Everyone loves that. Gives you access to the many articles. Able to buy figures, sell figures on there, whatever it may be. And we have a, an elite checklist that my wife has put together. You can listen to the podcast, Doing the Favor podcast. It drops every Tuesday night. We also do little special watch-alongs here and there, interviews, whatever it may be, all associated with wrestling. We mix in some sports. Follow my partner, Barry Frost, at bfrost28. And, yeah, man, I, I first, I just I want to thank you for having me on. It's been a blast. Uh, it's been a really smooth, short hour and a half. And I had a lot of fun doing this, man. So thank you and everybody listening to this show. And I'm going to plug the shit out of it, man, because I think you do good work here. Thank you. It means it means a lot. And obviously, uh, oh, I was going to mention this earlier, too, before I forget uh, the whole thing with Ohio players. I re- yeah. I had seen a little bit of it. And then I had, I was fam- starting to become familiar with the podcast, but wasn't listening. And then there's a when I get into this list of plugs that I'm going to mention here in a, in a couple of minutes. There's the Toy Ohio Toy Show which ironically enough, my friend uh, Tom Troll that I mentioned, he did help run it. But I I think I walked out of that show to eat lunch and there was a group of people and I saw somebody with an, an Ohio player shirt. And that's, I don't remember if I had seen that at another toy show yet or not. Like I'd, I'd obviously had seen the shirt online, but once I seen it at the toy show, I'm like, okay, I see you, I see you guys. And then I don't think I seen them later. I'm mean, great. I'm, they were definitely in there, but I missed them. 
And I kind of want to know, and I'm putting this out on the internet. I want to know who that was. I want to know who has a Ohio player shirt and went to Ohio because there's not a lot of people close to me. Like granted there's people in Cleveland, there's um, Mansfield and a couple other places. But far as I know, people I've talked to, nobody is like Akron and nobody I've heard is Youngstown. I mean, there could definitely be, but I, I just, so I'm I very curious. That, I think that was probably Anthony Greco. Okay. If, if I had to guess, maybe Drew, I'm sure you know what Drew looks like. I might, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't want like in that moment. What, what did he look like? Heavy set guy or was he uh, bald and tall and thin? That's the thing. I don't remember what they look like. I remember seeing the shirt and just like, kind of like, okay. And then like kept going. Like I didn't like stripe a conversation or anything. I would be willing to bet any, a, a good amount of money. It was Anthony Greco, Greco at Greco collector 17 on Twitter. <laughs> All right. You can find myself at heavy. Oh no, you can't. You can find myself at J Summers 330. I have officially let go of the heavy set 330 uh, moniker that I've had for a long time, at least the 10 years on Twitter and then 12 years elsewhere. So it was kind of just going to my regular name like I do here on the show. So J Summers 330 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, much like you can find this show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, facebook.com slash wrestling cheers. Twitter.com slash wrestling cheers and Instagram.com slash wrestling cheers email. If you so choose to desire wrestling cheers at gmail.com. And we have the merch store over at whatamaneuver.net, which soda's doing the favor. And of course, you can rate, review, and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Podbean, wrestlingcheers.podbean.com. Check out our friends on the training topics network, such as All Beer Inside, Eurovision Showcase. Spanish announce table and wrestling with altitude and check out our other podcast friends, such as let the hate flow through you pod Van Dam super fantastic podcast. It's evolution, baby virtual pros, the indie cast. So bros network off the hop rope game marks podcast. We like sports podcast, power bomb jitsu spotlight series, fully posable doing the favor, the chick Foley show positively pro wrestling row one seat one, IWTV guide at odds with wrestling marks with mics and the dark match podcast. Check out our other non-podcast friends, such as thrift store jobber, the savage dash, the mystery men, mouse's wrestling adventures, happy hour with Steve guy, good company, toy, Ohio toy show, time capsule toys, stay tough, smoke and Jay's barbecue, wrestle void, Midwest territory, Southern underground pro and the official graphic designer of wrestling cheers, Moy boy designs. That will do it for us here on Wrestling Cheers, where everybody knows your name, especially when you're an Ohio player. Later. It's the Wrestling Cheers. Get up on your feet. Praying in your day in the middle of the week. And you gotta love the show. Yeah, you know it holds a title for the best podcast. Talking wrestling in Ohio. Finishing a cold one. Take a load off. We ain't all about the prohibition like Josh. So we cheers. And then we sit back Other shows are in the trash Kinda like they Nick Stapp Like the name is Matt Justice Wearing all the gold Wrestling Cheers is coming to a close The number one podcast going in the game And one day everybody's gonna know the name It's the Wrestling Cheers This is Platinum Max Signing off Ohio Good night The world Good night We love you We'll see you next week